Kings, 2 Kings chapter number 6. Many of you have been here for a long, long time now, and you know that when I teach or preach, boy, I like to preach something that's got a, something that's got a hook in it. And I'm not really sure that the message tonight has a hook, but I am sure that it's God's will. And so, because I am sure of the last one, I'm going to go forward with what, with what God has told me to do tonight. And, and so, how many know that his word never returns void? Never returns void. So, 2 Kings chapter 6 in your Bibles, and I think I have this, yep, I do, on your screen. So Sunday, actually last Wednesday night, Brother Mike Hill sung a song, and it's called My Wonderful Lord. And when Brother Mike sang that song, I thought, wow, we have got to sing that song in our church. That is wonderful. Do we? So we did. We gave it uh, a try Sunday morning, and it went great, by the way. Y'all did good. In fact, it went so great, we're going to sing it again here in just a little while, Lord willing. But we were singing that song, and while we were singing that song, the Spirit of God was speaking in my heart, and man, he uh, was convicting me. That song, that chorus says, my wonderful Lord, my wonderful Lord, by angels and seraphs in heaven adored, I bow at thy shrine, my Savior divine, my wonderful, wonderful Lord. And as we were singing that song, it was like the Holy Spirit said, do these people know what angels and seraphs are? And so with that, I thought, well, Lord, I'm not sure, but it won't be very long. By the grace of God, they will know the difference. And so I don't know that this message has got a hook in it, but I believe it's going to be interesting to you tonight. And we'll have to really get with it to try to get through the information that I want to give you tonight. So you, there's no way you can turn to all these different references. So I'll put a few up on the screen just to help you out tonight. But I want you to look, if you will, please, at 2 Kings chapter 6 in your Bibles. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word tonight. And I want to talk to you about that subject, angels, seraphim, and cherubim. What is the difference? What's the difference? And so 2 Kings chapter 6, and look, if you will, at verse number 11. The Bible says, Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? What's going on here is that every time the king of Syria would lay a trap for Israel, Israel would be privy to it. And so as they used to say in the old Western films, they, they would head them off at the pass. And so the king of Syria would lay a trap for the Israelites. When he got there, the Israelites would be waiting on him. And so the king of Syria is, is upset. So he gets his leadership team together, his colonels, his generals, his admirals, and he says, all right, who's the spy? Who is it that's leaking the information to the Israelites? Who is it? Well, that's what's going on here. And so look at verse number 12. And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. In other words, he says, this servant very courageously says to the king, King, none of us are spies. 
But he says, everything you say, he said, you can, you can be in your bedroom and close the doors. And he said, God is revealing to the prophet in Israel what you're saying. And he's telling the king, and that's how they're finding out what's going on. You talk about surveillance, brother. They had the greatest surveillance, uh, listen, that's ever been created. It was God. It was, it was it, it, you talk about GPS system. So he says, king, it's not us. He said, it's Elisha, the prophet. Verse number 13, and he said, go and, and spare where he is, talking about Elisha, spare, uh, spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he, talking about Elisha, the prophet, behold, he is in Dothan. Verse number 14, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots, look at this, and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host had, uh, behold, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? In other words, what are we going to do? Verse 16, and he talking about Elisha. And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. Oh, yes, good neighbor. And he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Man, I just got chills reading the scripture. You may be seated tonight. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject tonight, angels, seraphim, and cherubim. What's the difference? Are they not all the same? What's the difference? And, and so let's pray, and we'll get right into the uh, Bible lesson tonight. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Wow, what a, what a joy to be in the house of God. Father, thank you for reminding us that we are blessed. There's a roof up above me. I've got shoes on my feet. Father, you've blessed us beyond measure at Calvary. And we thank you for the goodness of God and the grace of God. And Lord, thank you for giving us a wonderful book to study and to learn from. God, I pray tonight that we'll learn something. I pray that it will be, um, I pray that it will glorify thee most of all and please thee. And then Lord, I pray that it will, um, I, I pray that it'll edify the saints tonight. Lord, it could be there's one here this evening that needs to be saved. And I pray tonight would be the night that they would give their heart life to Christ and, and allow him to reign in their life. Father, encourage that child of God that may be here tonight that's a little discouraged. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that, that you'll help the Bible to come alive in our hearts and our minds tonight. Father, help us, please. Breathe upon us, Spirit of God. Please breathe upon us. We love you and praise you. Ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. So I don't really have to teach what we just read because it just sort of teaches itself. But the king of Syria has 
sent an army to vanquish one prophet of God, the prophet Elisha. They totally surrounded the city by night. This is almost like a movie. It's, it really is. And so here they, they creep in by night. They, uh, they surround the city. And the Bible says that when the morning breaks, that one of Elisha's preacher boys, and really that's really what's going on, one of his ministerial students, evidently this is a, a young man, he uh, gets up in the morning, I'm, I can see this young man, and as, he, as he's preparing the house, as he's getting the coffee uh, going, as he's opening the blinds, uh, you know, maybe he's doing a few of the early morning uh, chores, maybe he's getting the broom or the dustpan out, and he's getting ready to uh, sweep the house, or maybe he's getting the wood together, and he's going to stoke the fire stove, you know, the, the wood stove, and, and get some heat generating or something like that. But he gets up early in the morning and he pulls the blind back and boy, when he does, I mean, it's just, it's evident that uh, there's trouble. And he looks out and of course they knew what the Assyrians looked like and the king of Syria has sent an army and they have compassed the city and they've compassed the house. And he, this little preacher boy, if you will, has become frantic and he runs into the room and he says to the man of God, uh, he tells him what's going on and he says, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're surrounded. And the Bible says that Elisha prays, just a short little prayer. And he says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Now this young man could see physically, but he wasn't able to see spiritually. And so the man of God prays and says, Lord, open his eyes. And, and the Lord grants that petition and he performs a miracle. And this young man not only has physical eyes that are open, but his spiritual eyes are open. And he sees an innumerable host of angelic beings. Now, my point, and the reason we read that story is this, because Elisha's servant originally could not see this heavenly host, but how many believe they were there? Amen. If somehow the Lord would grant that petition again tonight, and we were to pray, Lord, open the eyes of Calvary Baptist Church that they may see. Well, you'd be amazed at what you'd see. This is not fantasy. This is not make-believe. I'm telling you, church, this is as real as this pulpit is tonight. Uh, it's, it's really realer than, than the realm that you're living in right now. And, uh, and so, uh, so they were, he couldn't see them, but they were most definitely there. So I want to talk to you just a few minutes tonight about this heavenly host that, that this uh, preacher boy saw in 2 Kings chapter 6. And we'll just give you just a few things tonight about, uh, about these, uh, this heavenly host. Number one, we notice from studying this that first of all, they're vast in number. They are vast in number. Let me give you a reference tonight on your screen. How about Psalm 68? If I, if I need you to turn there, I'll let you know. Psalm 68, verse number 17. Look at what it says. The Bible says the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinaiah, uh, in the holy place. And so our Bible tells us that the angelic hosts, the heavenly hosts, are literally in the thousands uh, as far as their number is concerned. How about Luke chapter 2 and verse 13? Remember the Christmas story 
where the Bible says that the heavenly host appeared to the shepherds. In Luke chapter two, verse number 13, the Bible says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. Notice the word there. If you like to mark your Bible up, I want you to underline that or circle that word there. There was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. I looked up that word multitude and it literally means this. It means populous or population. How many have ever heard this? How many have ever heard of a population explosion? That's what the idea is there. That night as God opened the eyes of these shepherds, there was literally a population explosion that took place that night. It is a word, I looked this this word up, the word multitude. It's a Greek word which means this. It means to feel. To feel. In other words, that night, as the shepherds saw that heavenly host, it literally, they literally filled the sky. It was all you could see. They were everywhere. How many remember the story? In fact, you can turn to this one. Look over, if you will, at Matthew chapter 26 tonight. Matthew 26. Some will have on the screen. Some will have you turn to tonight. Matthew chapter number 26 in your Bibles. And, and look at verse number 53. Remember the story when... Uh, when the, the Lord Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and the, uh, uh, the throng has come out to arrest him. And, and remember, remember what happened. The Bible says that Peter, remember what Peter does? Peter pulls his sword out and man, he starts, you know, he starts whacking. He's gonna start cutting heads off. And uh, in fact, he cuts off Malchus. He cuts off his ear. Uh, and listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 53. He says this to Peter. He said, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more. Now watch this now, more than 12 legions of angels. They say, pastor, is that significant? It's pretty significant. A Roman legion back in this day and time, and so the Lord Jesus, of course, knew what he was saying. A Roman legion consisted of at least 6,000 soldiers. Now think with me. And by the way, these legionnaires, you check it out for yourself, they were bad to the bone. They, these guys, you know what they were? You know what a legionnaire was? They were trained killers. They were trained. They, they, they probably didn't know much about softball and baseball and uh, uh, tiddlywinks, but I'll tell you what they did know. They knew how to whack off a guy's head. They knew how to fight. They knew how to kill. They knew how to, how to shed blood. And usually in a Roman legion, there were 6,000 soldiers. And so Jesus said, Peter, I could call 12 legions. So 12 times 6,000. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, Peter, if I want to, at this very instant, I have 72,000 angels that are waiting by with glistening sword and shining shield. They're waiting on my beck and call. And Jesus said, if I give the signal, he said, I can call 12 legions of angels to come at this very moment. But as I read this and studied this out, I found out this, that a Roman legion seldom traveled on their own. That Roman legion consisted of 6,000 soldiers, but they always usually traveled with what was called an auxiliary troop. And so this 12 legion, one scholar said that this 12 legions could speak of more than 144,000 angels. Jesus said, fellas, I don't need your flimsy attempt 
at trying to protect me. Let me tell you something, church. That's another truth right there that the world didn't take Jesus' life. He laid his life down. And that's what he's saying, fellas, if I, <laughs> do you think this is a problem for me? He said, if I wanted to, I've just got to speak the word. In fact, I don't even have to speak the word. I can just think it and I'll have 144,000 angels at my beck and call. And so we know here that first of all, they're vast in number. I got to hurry. I, I got to hurry. How about this? Number two, we notice that they are valiant in strength. Now look, if you will, on your screen, Psalm 103 and verse number 20, the Bible says, bless the Lord, ye his angels. Here it is, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. In fact, I'll put 2 Kings chapter 19, uh, verse number 35 on your screen tonight. Did you know the Bible says that, that uh, I think it was the king of Sennacherib, King Sennacherib, I believe, that came against Hezekiah. And, uh, and honestly, the Israelites didn't know what they were gonna do. I mean, the, the, this, this force was, uh, their numbers were as the sand of the sea and, uh, and they didn't know what they were gonna do, but they cried and prayed to God. And did you know our Bible tells us that God sent one angel? Now, Jesus said, I can beckon 72,000. But in 2 Kings chapter number 19, God sent one angel. And one angel annihilated 185,000 soldiers. One angel. Now, you know what I'm thinking? If one angel could take out 185,000, what would 72,000 do? Well, you know what the Bible's teaching us here, church, that if God had wanted to, God could have annihilated mankind had he wanted to. And thank God, by the way, thank God he didn't want to. But we notice here that they're vast in number. We know they're valiant in strength. How about this? These are just, just some, some things, some neat things. Number three, we notice about this heavenly host. They're varied in knowledge. They're varied in knowledge. How about Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36? The Bible says, but of that day and hour, talking about the coming of the Lord, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, look what he says, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Did you know tonight that the, the angelic host does not have divine knowledge? So God is omniscient. God knows everything. God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. That means he's all-knowing, he's everywhere present, and he's all-powerful. And a lot of times we sort of, we sort of uh, you know, think that the angels are like that. A lot of times we think that Satan's like that. We think that Satan's like God, that God can be, uh, that, that Satan can be everywhere at one time like God and that Satan has perfect knowledge like God. Let me tell you something, church. Satan's an angel. He's a part of that heavenly host. We'll get into that in just a little bit. And so Satan does not have perfect knowledge. He does not have, he's not omniscient. Uh, and so they are varied in knowledge. In fact, yes, I've got another verse on your screen here. In fact, did you know the Bible tells us this about angels? That angels can't quite grasp the gospel and the grace of God. And look what it says. You know what? They desire to know it though. They desire to look into it. 
They can't quite understand it because they're not saved by grace. Jesus didn't die for them. They're angelic, angelic beings. Uh, and Jesus didn't die for them unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Look at this. Which things the angels desire to look into. And so they're vast in number. They're valiant in strength. They're varied in knowledge. And how about this one, church? Number four is they're valued by God. Let me give you, let me give you a verse. This is an interesting verse. Psalm 78, 25, the Bible says, man did eat angels' food. Now, did you know that angels' food was around long before grandma made an angels' food cake? Now, I don't understand all this. I'm not gonna tell you I understand all of this, but I, but it, but I, but I know this. I believe the Bible. And if God says there's angels' food, I believe it. And so when the children of Israel needed provision and, and they were hungry, uh, you know, literally what happened, God, uh, God just sort of raked over the banisters of heaven. He took that angel's food and he just raked over the banisters of heaven and he poured angel's food, all, it's called manna, all around the Israelites and, and they were to eat that, uh, that angel's food. And, uh, and so I don't understand all that, but I do know this. Evidently, God cares for this heavenly host and he meets their needs and he provides for them. Now, there are, there are three major classes of heavenly hosts tonight. And I want, to give those, I want to give those to you tonight if I could. Three major classes of heavenly hosts. Number one is what we call cherubim or cherubims or cherub, whatever you, however you want to call it. And I want you to look at Ezekiel chapter 10 tonight in your Bibles. Ezekiel chapter 10 and look, if you will, at verse number one. Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse number one, and, and, uh, and you can find these other places as well, but this is just one of the places. Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel the prophet tells us about these cherubims. Ezekiel 10, verse number one, then I looked and behold in the firmament that was above the head of the, of the cherubims. There appeared over them as it were a sapphire stone as the appearance of the likeness of a throne. And he spake unto the man clothed with linen and said, go in between the wheels, even, even under the cherub, by the way, same, same word, and fill thine hand with coals of fire from between the cherubims and scatter them over the city. And he went in my sight. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. Now I want to talk to you about cherubims just for a moment. Or cherubs. That's what most people call them, cherubs. Now, usually when we think about cherubs, this is what most people believe. They believe it's this little chubby angel that's got these little wings on its back. All it wears is like a diaper or a loincloth or something like that. It's got this fat little tummy that sticks out and, and it's got a you know, got a little halo and it's got curly hair and it's just the cutest little, you know, it's just the cutest little baby, you know, it's just a baby little cherub and, uh, and, and, and somehow, somehow or another, and I don't know who got that started, but somehow or another, when we think about cherubs and we think about cherubim, that's what we think about. We think about some little, 
you know, looks like a little baby, you know, it's got the cutest little face and it's got these little wings and it just flies over heaven and it strums a, you know, a, a harp and, and that's, that's what a, a cherub is. And I want to tell you something, Calvary, according to the word of God, did you know that more than likely cherubs are the exact opposite of how the world paints them? In fact, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You don't want to mess with a cherub. You don't want to mess with a cherub. Cherubim are, are definitely not these little chubby creatures with little wings on their back and a little halo over their head. And, and they just go around everywhere, you know, in the, in the heavenly realm strumming a heart. That's not what they do. Their name means angelic being, but with the idea of being a guardian. You can turn there if you want. You don't have to. But in Genesis chapter 3, anybody remember that story? Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit. They've fallen, you know, they've got that fallen nature now. They're sinners. And so God says, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to eject them from the Garden of Eden lest they, uh, in their sinful condition, lest they take of the tree of life and live forever in that sinful condition. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 24, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so the cherubim were those that guarded the Garden of Eden following the fall of man. But we see something else. It was the cherubim that served as a symbol of guardians of the Ark of the Covenant. Exodus chapter 25, verses 18 through 20 uh, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want. In fact, it's, a, it's an interesting passage, Exodus chapter 25. The Bible says, And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat, and make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end. Even in the mercy seat shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. Again, the, 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 uh, the point being this, that these cherubims serve as guardians. Now someone asked, preacher, do you believe that there is such a thing as guardian angels? I do. Absolutely. In fact, I believe, more than likely, according to Scripture, I believe probably that our guardian angels are these guys. The cherubims, because one of their responsibilities is guarding, I believe it's the job of, of, our, uh, of the cherubims to guard the people of God. Listen to Psalm 91.11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Why don't you turn over with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. Let me show you an amazing verse. Matthew chapter number 18. With all this going on in our world today and all the child abuse, all these little, little ones that are being so neglected and so abused and uh, physically and mentally and even sexually and uh, and uh, well, I tell you what, it's, a, it's a, a sad day and a shameful day that we're living in. And, and God writes to us in Matthew chapter 18, and boy, 
does he ever lay it on us here? In verse number, uh, verse number 10, Matthew 18, verse 10, the Lord said this, take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven, look what it says. What's the next two words? Wow. You know what the implication is there? That's a personal angel. Look what it says. That in heaven, their angels, their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. So cherubims. And evidently cherubims were some type of a guardian. How about this? Number two is seraphims or seraph. We, read, we, we sung about that in our song the other day. Now I want you to take your Bibles, turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter number six and the prophet Isaiah tells us a little bit about these seraphims. Isaiah chapter number six. You say, pastor, does this really matter? Hang with me, church. Stay with me. And how many know this? You just need to know this stuff. Isaiah chapter six and verse number one the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and, and lifted up, and his train, that, that's his, his, his robe, if you will, and his train filled the temple. Verse two, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face, and with twain, he covered his feet. With twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse four, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, woe is me, for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a, a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and whom will go for us then said I here am I send me seraphims seraphims interesting word the word seraphim means burning but it's the idea of a serpent. Hey, you remember the story in the Old Testament where the Bible says some fiery serpents came into the camp and began to bite the people. Remember what Jesus, or remember what God told Moses to do? He said, I want, you to take, I want you to put a brass serpent on a pole. Hold the pole up. If they'll look at the, at the image, they'll be healed. Sort of the same, the same thought here. The serpent-like seraph has burning zeal or dazzling brightness. Hey, some have suggested this. Some have suggested that it's why Satan chose the form of a serpent in the Garden of Eden. Because possibly at one time he was accustomed to being a seraph of light. Now I read that and that's, that's just neat. But I checked that out and it's not accurate. Satan was not a seraphim. Satan was a cherubim. Would you look with me at Ezekiel chapter 28? Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse number 13. And the Bible tells us the beginning of Lucifer 
before he was cast out of heaven, Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse number 13. I'm looking at the clock, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm minding the clock. So you hang on, hang with me just for a few more minutes. Ezekiel 28, verse 13, thou hast been in Eden, talking about Lucifer, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, the, and gold. In other words, this is how Lucifer was made. The workmanship of thy tabrage and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Verse 14, thou art the anointed, what's the word? Cherub. That covereth, there's that idea of guardianship again. And I've set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou, wast, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect on thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the, mouth of, out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. By the way, can I just say this real quickly, young people, the devil's nobody you want to mess with. Amen. And I, I, hear these, I hear these crazy songs some of these gospel groups are coming out with. They ain't got time for you, devil. You know, like, like we can just, you know, just brush the devil off like he's, a, uh, like he's dust or something. Let me tell you, let, let me tell you and me something tonight. You better hope you never come up against Satan himself. And if you ever do, and I hope you never do, and I hope I never do, but if you ever do, you better hope that you are filled with the spirit of the living God because he's powerful. He's powerful. But these seraphims, interesting, these seraphim, the Bible says they have six wings. Two wings were kept ready for instant flight in God's service. We found that in Isaiah, Isaiah 6. This is, this is just interesting. Two of the other wings veiled their faces. So two wings they kept handy, ready to do whatever God needed them to do. The other two wings covered their face because they weren't worthy to look on God's glory. The other two wings covered their feet. And back in that day and time, tradition tells us that often when you would walk into the presence of a monarch, that you would have something to cover your lower body with. It was a disgrace, would that be the right word, if you showed your, the lower part of your body in the, in the presence of a monarch. And so seraphims, Cherubims. Let's bring this thing to a close quickly tonight. How about this? Number three, angels. Now, we may, not, we may not even go to this scripture tonight, but angels. What's an interesting word? I've got Genesis 16 on your screen, verses 7 through 11. And the reason I've got that on there is because that's the very first mention of the word angel. It means this, and I thought this was neat. It means to dispatch as a deputy. Well, that's something, isn't it? Did you know the sheriff in Iredell County? Man, Iredell County is a long, is a, is a big, big county. Did you know the sheriff of Iredell County cannot be everywhere he needs to be taking care of everything that needs to be taken care of in Iredell County? So you know what he does? 
he, he ordains deputies. And those deputies go out and they serve all over Iredell County. Now God can do what God wants to do. God has the power. He's not like that with a county sheriff. God can do what he wants to do. But God has, has dispatched some deputies. It's the idea of a messenger. Now again, our time is, is up tonight, so we're not even gonna go to this scripture. But let me tell you something that's really, really interesting tonight. In Genesis chapter 16, verses seven through 11, is the first mention in the word of God we have of an angel. You know who the angel sent to? He sent to a lady by the name of, let me back up, he sent to a woman by the name of Hagar. You know who Hagar is? She's an Egyptian. Y'all know that story, don't you? Where she, she got with Abraham and they had a, a Ishmael and ever since we've been in trouble ever since. Hagar was an Egyptian. Did you know that in the word of God that Egypt's a type of the world? And so that's the very first mention of an angel. But I also found this very, very interesting that the second mention is in Genesis, is Genesis 21. The second mention of an angelic visit is Genesis chapter 21. You know who the angel came to talk to? Hagar. First two times in the Bible, angels were used to talk to a woman who was a type of the world. Significant, I think, because guess what's getting ready to happen, church? Angels, once again, are getting ready to be used to send a message to the world that God is a God of judgment. It's something we call the tribulation period. And in that tribulation period, God will use his angels to bring judgment upon this earth. Now we're done tonight. I don't, I don't have any of this on your screen, but I'm, I'm done tonight. You say, preacher, okay. Big deal. I think it is. I just think it's neat studying this book right here. But someone says, preacher, how is that, how's that applicable to me as a child of God? I mean, what does, that, what does that have to do with me? Number one, I wrote this down. God uses angels to benefit Christians. Now, you can take your Bibles, turn over to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews 13, or you can write it down. But while you're finding your place in Hebrews chapter 13, I just want to encourage us tonight to do this. Be careful how you treat others. Be careful how you treat others because According to Scripture, the Scripture we're getting ready to read, it is very possible that that person that comes into your path, comes into your life, it is very possible that they are an angelic being. You say, preacher, you have flipped your lid. I mean, you've been watching way too many sci-fi movies or something. No, I haven't, folks. I've been studying the Bible and I want you to look what your Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number two. The Bible says, be not forgetful to entertain. That word entertains the idea of receiving as a guest. It's the idea of hospitality. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Did you know that sometimes God will bring someone into your path and, and, and God puts them there sometimes to help you, sometimes to assist you. How many people have come to me in 30 years of ministry and they said, Pastor, I was on the side of the highway and I, I, I had a blowout and I didn't have the right tools to fix it and this guy stopped. 
He helped me fix my tire, and I turned around and tell him thank you, and he's gone. How many times have I had people, people say, Preacher, I was in checkout line. There was 10 people behind me, and I got up there, and I didn't have enough money to pay for my order, and the person behind me said, no problem, I got it. Did you know that sometimes God may bring an angel into your life to benefit you and to help you? But, 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 but did you know sometimes God may bring an angel into your life to see how you're going to respond? Did you know that little old lady in front of you that's driving? Oh, let's give the invitation right now. She can hardly see over the wheel. The speed limit's 35. She's going 32. You're right on her tail, you know, and you're thinking, what in the world? What's going on with this woman? Where does she go? And, and by the way, I guess we've all been there. Did you know that there is at least a possibility that that person driving that car, you didn't know angels could drive cars, did you? You didn't know that could be an angel that God has brought in your life to see how you're going to respond. That person that's in front of you in the checkout line. That person that's not very kind to you. And, uh, boy, you just want to. It could be that God has allowed that angelic being to come into your path to see how you're going to respond at that very moment. Now, that's what, that's what it says. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, to watch your hospitality, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Joshua 5, don't turn there, Joshua 5 though. Remember that story? Where Joshua sees this soldier and he says to the soldier, all right, who, who are you with? Are you with the enemy or you're on our side? And this being spoke up and said, I'm not, on anybody's side, you better get on my side because I'm the angel of the Lord of hosts, captain of the host of the Lord. And so Joshua didn't recognize necessarily right off the bat that that was an angel, which by the way, that was probably Jesus right there. Now, we're done tonight. God uses angels to benefit Christians and we're done. God uses angels to serve as a contrast. Did you know our Bible reminds us that Christ was made lower than the angels? Hebrews chapter two, you can just jot it down. You don't have to turn over there. Hebrews chapter two, verse number nine is where you'll find that at. The Bible says, but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. You say, what? What's that mean, preacher? Listen to this. But we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels. Here it is. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. God used angels as a contrast. And the Bible says that Jesus, angels can't die. And so when Jesus was, or not when Jesus was made, Jesus has always been, but when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus came on the scene being made a little lower than the angels so he could suffer death for you and for me so we could have a home in heaven one day. Well, that's pretty significant. And so, hey, listen, that's just, a, that's just a few things. Boy, there's, man, we could spend several weeks on this one. 
But that's a few things about the angelic host. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time that we've had together tonight. Lord, what a God. A God that could set up a creation like you have created. Lord, a a realm that doesn't just involve the physical, but a realm that involves the spiritual. Father, we thank you for teaching us something like this tonight. I pray that we gain something from your word this evening. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be careful about how we treat others. Lord, realizing that it could be, it could be some of that heavenly host. Lord, thank you for being made a little lower than the angels. Thank you for being willing to come. That's what it's saying. Thank you for being willing to come and bleed and suffer and then die that we might have life and have it more abundant. Father, it could be there's someone here tonight that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Maybe someone watching by way of the live stream and they don't know Christ. I pray tonight would be the night. Father, it could be you spoke to someone's heart about something I didn't even preach on tonight. I pray that you help them to come. Maybe someone needs to be saved. Maybe someone needs to make themselves a candidate for baptism. They've been saved, but they've not never followed in believer's baptism. Lord, maybe someone here tonight needs to join the church. Lord, it could be there's a, an individual here tonight that needs to rededicate their life back to Jesus. Lord, if, if nothing else, I, I sure hope you gave somebody a desire to study this book. There's so much in this book we don't know. The more you learn, the more you learn you don't know. God, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Can I just ask a, a quick question tonight? How many are here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm saved and going to heaven. And you'd slip your hand up right now. Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Can I ask this, though, without anybody looking around? Is there one here tonight, anywhere, who would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, if something happened, heart attack, stroke, car accident, God forbid, but if something were to happen tonight and I were to go out into, into eternity, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. I want to go, but I don't know. I don't know. You'd slip your hand up right now. Preacher, I don't know. You'd raise your hand. All right, I see that hand. I appreciate that. Is there another tonight? Anybody else? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. At least to me, it was enjoyable. Lord, I sure enjoyed the music, the fellowship, and God, I've enjoyed our Bible study tonight. And God, I pray that you'd bless in this invitation. Father, I pray right now that you'd save those that are lost and undone without Jesus. Father, would you reveal to them that there is a hell? 
There is a literal hell. And if we die without Christ, hell will be our destiny forever and ever and ever. No escape. We'll never leave that place. Lord, it's a terrible place of darkness and despair, torment. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would save those that are lost and undone without Christ. God, work in our midst tonight, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Have your way in the invitation, please, and we thank you, Lord, in Christ's name. Heads about, eyes are closed. I'm going to ask some of our personal workers to make their way to the front tonight, if they would, and just uh, we'll have some personal workers across the front of the, the church tonight. And if you raise your hand and said, Pastor, I am not sure that I am saved. I want you to do something for me right now. I want you to step out. I want you to step out right now. Come on. And we've got some folks who would love to give you some scripture tonight, okay? Would you come while we're away? You say, Pastor, it's Wednesday. Wednesday's a wonderful night to get saved. It's a great night to get saved. Would you come while we wait? If you were serious about it, we're going to pause tonight. We'll sing in a minute, okay? But you come. While we wait tonight, you come.